This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So this week celebrated the approval of what is largely being dubbed the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine in the UK and the United States and, and even Canada. But did you know that the actual vaccine candidate wasn't developed inside of a Pfizer facility? Really? Because most of the news I've watched kind of sounds like this. As we come on the air this morning, history is being made. The fastest development, production, and distribution of a vaccine ever in this country. Ten months after the lockdowns began, this morning we have something we have not had enough of this year, hope. You're looking at Pfizer's main vaccine manufacturing facility in Kalamazoo, Michigan this morning, where those vaccines will be loaded onto FedEx and UPS trucks fanning out across the nation. 
just the starting point in a massive operation. Right, Pfizer shipping the first vaccine, Pfizer manufacturing doses of the vaccine, but in reality, Pfizer was more like a record label, right? Helping to invest in and develop an artist rather than the creative genius behind the music. Okay, yeah, so it'd be as if the headlines read, Republic Records releases surprise album Evermore, instead of, you know, Taylor Swift. Right, exactly. Okay, so who is that creative genius in this metaphor? It's the husband and wife team behind the company BioNTech or BioNTech. In an interview, the CEO didn't really care how people pronounced the name, but this team had never released a vaccine before, let alone on a global scale. Interesting. Okay, so I'm guessing today we're going to learn who's behind the company, BioNTech, and how that now infamous partnership with Pfizer was developed. Absolutely. And while we usually discuss software companies, this was a fascinating and timely story about product, in this case, a vaccine, that brought in hundreds of millions of dollars for this 1,500-person journey company as part of a global race for a cure to the COVID-19 pandemic. Mike, let's roll the intro. All right, here we go. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So in December of 2019, word began spreading in the scientific community about new clusters of pneumonia cases. Here's Jason McLean, a coronavirus researcher from the University of Austin, from an interview with Joe Hansen on PBS. At the end of December 2019, it was on the news that there was these pneumonia clusters in China. In the scientific community, we thought maybe a new flu virus or possibly a coronavirus. I was actually snowboarding with my family, and uh, my collaborator, Barney Graham, at the Vaccine Research Center at the NIH called, and he said he's been in contact with US CDC, Chinese CDC. It looks like it's a beta coronavirus, similar to, to SARS, and they wanted to move rapidly, try and make a vaccine, and I said, we're definitely in. So you're just like scrolling through your phones in the yep. ski lodge. <laughs> yep. You're like, we gotta get to work. Researchers in China decoded the virus's genome and the World Health Organization published it online on January 10th of 2020, essentially starting the race for a vaccine. And this was still months before the world was actually locked down. Here's a CNBC segment from January 30th of this year. Meantime, the World Health Organization holds an emergency meeting today to determine whether to declare a public health emergency regarding the coronavirus. Here's what we know so far. Chinese officials say the death toll has risen to 170, 7,900 cases worldwide, and the number of cases in China surpasses the total cases during the SARS epidemic of 03. Meantime, the president appoints and meets with the coronavirus task force yesterday, set to meet daily to discuss ongoing developments, both domestic and overseas. Joining us now is the head of that task force. U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar. Mr. Secretary, good morning. Good to have you with us. Glad to be with you all. Thank you very much. You said um, um, when you announced the task force that the risk of infection for Americans remains low. Will that assessment change if uh, World Health does declare an emergency? Uh, no. It, what the World Health Organization does in terms of declaring whether there's a public health emergency of international consequence won't change in any way. What we're doing here in the United States to prepare and respond to the novel coronavirus threat. As you mentioned, the threat to any individual American is really quite low at this time. But under President Trump's direction, we're proactively preparing in the event of further spread, and we're taking necessary steps to prevent and mitigate the potential for future spread. We've seen a lot of uh, selective flight restrictions from the airlines themselves. What would it take to mandate flight restrictions? 
Well, we're not going to take any public health options off the table to protect the American public. This is actually more alarming than I remember at the time, but we were watching it really kind of from afar at this point. Luckily, the scientific community, they were already working on a solution. And one of those companies was BioNTech, founded by Ur Schein and Uslam Turj and Christopher Huber. Huber is an international leader in the field of immuno-oncology, and Shine and Terj are husband and wife team, both Turkish immigrants to Germany who have dedicated themselves to cancer research. BioNTech was founded in Mainz, Germany in 2008 based on initial research from the TRIO, which focused on the development and production of technologies and drugs for individualized cancer immunotherapy. In normal times, BioNTech and its roughly 1,500 employees are focused on developing those specialized immunotherapies for cancer patients patients based on messenger RNA or mRNA, which are molecules that trigger the building of proteins in cells to stimulate the immune system. Now, the scientific world moves much slower than tech. The company made a couple of acquisitions in 2009, most likely to consolidate key talent. Between 2014 and 2018, research results on mRNA mechanisms were published. During this period, BioNTech filed several patent applications and developed a multi-layered strategy to protect its intellectual property in the various technology platforms and their application in the treatment of cancer and other serious diseases. But this is also key because this is when Pfizer and BioNTech signed an initial agreement entering into a multi-year research and development collaboration to develop mRNA-based vaccines for the prevention of influenza or the flu. So let's get into the weeds a little bit here. First off, what does a vaccine actually do? Simplest explanation I could find is that it trains your body to learn what a specific virus looks like and fight it off without you getting sick. The outer shell of the COVID-19 virus is made up of a few different types of protein. And you've probably seen that drawing of the COVID-19 virus, which is, you know, that round ball with tentacles sticking out of it. These tentacles are known as spike proteins. Yeah, and the spike proteins have a way of tricking the unsuspecting body into accepting it, which is where it's then able to invade ourselves, making us sick. Those same spike proteins, it's what our immune system checks for to figure out if this is a foreign invader, determining whether it should attack or not. The problem is the first time your body sees a new virus, your immune system is so slow to react because it's processing all of that new information that the virus has time to duplicate itself thousands and thousands of times. It then overwhelms your immune system once it realizes that a foreign attacker is loose. So what a vaccine does is train your body to recognize this foreign virus so that when the real thing comes along, it responds instantly, keeping you healthy. Okay, so getting back to BioNTech, they specialize in mRNA mechanisms and have developed a proprietary technology stack to bring new clinical trials to market faster. But wait, what exactly is an mRNA? I. I didn't know either. So it's a nucleoside modified messenger RNA or called mod RNA, which is a synthetic messenger RNA, which is shortened then to mRNA, in which some nucleosides are replaced by other naturally modified nucleosides or by synthetic nucleoside analogs. Oh, okay, cool. Now, can you say that in English, please? Right, so I don't. from what I understand, mRNA is used to induce the production of desired proteins in certain cells. Thus, the vaccine will introduce synthetic mRNA into a human body to trick the immune system into producing the viral proteins needed to provoke a safe but robust offensive against, in this case, the coronavirus. Okay, and so when Shine and Turge saw the World Health Organization release the decoded virus genomes, despite having never brought a vaccine to market, 
they started to experiment with the new mRNA technology to develop a cure. That and more after this quick break. So before the break, we were discussing some of the patented technology BioNTech had developed as part of their cancer research efforts. And they were now applying that technology for the first time to the search for the COVID-19 vaccine. Here's Uslam Terj on their early stages. We called our uh, development program for a COVID-19 vaccine project Lightspeed because you can't go faster than light. And uh, this was what we aimed for. This journey started in January this year and was devoted to the development of a uh, well-tolerated and effective COVID-19 vaccine following the highest scientific and ethical standards. And here's Ur Shine on the initial steps that they took. The technology behind this vaccine, the messenger RNA technology, and the vaccine candidates have been uh, developed in, in Germany. So we started this project in, in January uh, 2020, uh, uh, identified um, more than or started with more than 20 ca- candidates. Those 20 candidates were eventually whittled down to a handful of the most promising options, with vaccine BNT162B2 being the front runner. Now, getting back to their 2018 agreement, BioNTech and Pfizer jointly conducted research and development activities to help advance mRNA-based flu vaccines with Pfizer, assuming sole responsibility for further clinical development and commercialization of mRNA-based flu vaccines following BioNTech's completion of a first-in-human clinical study. BioNTech received $120 million in upfront equity and near-term research payments, up to an additional $305 million in potential development, regulatory, and commercial milestone payments. In addition, BioNTech would receive up to double-digit tiered royalty payments associated with worldwide sales if the program reached commercialization. Catherine Jansen, Senior Vice President and Head of Pfizer's Vaccine Research and Development Unit said, innovative vaccine approaches are urgently needed to provide improved protection against seasonal flu and to respond rapidly in quantity to pandemic influenza threats. mRNA vaccines offer a novel approach to code any protein or multiple proteins and the potential to manufacture higher potency flu vaccines more rapidly and at a lower cost than contemporary flu vaccines. And you might say that's quite coincidental that they were focused on influenza-based flus in 2018 as a response to a global pandemic, right? But there have actually been three pandemics set off by influenza threats in the recent years. Here's Jason McClan again. There are four human coronaviruses that occur seasonally and generally cause the common cold. And then there have been three coronaviruses that have caused pandemics. And that's the first SARS coronavirus back in 2002, the MERS coronavirus in 2012, and now SARS-CoV-2, which emerged earlier this year. Okay, so getting back to BioNTech, they've whittled down their 20 candidates and are ready to enter clinical trials. Here's Uslam Terj again. Several entered clinical testing phase one in April this year. In July, uh, we selected together with our partner Pfizer uh, one of those candidates, the most um, promising one for a large phase three trial. And here's Urshine on that same time period. 
we provided uh, the, the vaccine candidates. We took care of the manufacturing of the clinical batches for the clinical trial. And we are also experts in T-cell immunity, in immunology. So we investigated the T-cell immune responses uh, for these vaccines. Pfizer executed the clinical trials in the United States. We executed clinical trials uh, here in Germany. And of course, Pfizer was responsible for execution of the of the worldwide um, uh, phase three trial, which provided now this endpoint analysis. The vaccine approval and more right after a quick break. Before the break, we were discussing the phase three trial that would eventually bring the first COVID-19 vaccine to market, something that usually takes 10 years to develop, but was completed in just under 12 months. Here's Ur Shine discussing the results of that phase three trial on CNBC. You are a, a relatively young biotech company founded in 2008. Did you ever think you know, you'd see that level of efficacy? What was that moment like for you and, and the folks at your company? Of course, it was a wonderful moment because we we didn't we didn't expect this high, high efficacy rate scientifically. Of course, it is in the range of of something which could happen, but uh, but uh, with regard uh, to the aspect that this virus is 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 unknown and we don't know escape mechanisms, we don't know how hard it is it will be to 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 address that an efficacy rate of over 90% is incredibly positive and uh, and 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 therefore we we are absolutely happy with this outcome. Now on December 2nd after the review of these trials the UK was the first country to approve this vaccine. Here's Matthew Hancock the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care speaking in the UK Parliament. Uh, today marks a new chapter in our fight against this virus. Ever since the pandemic hit our shores almost a year ago, we have known that a vaccine would be critical to set us free. Any vaccine must go through a rigorous process of clinical trials involving thousands of people and extensive independent scrutiny from the MHRA, one of the world's most respected medical regulators. Today, I'm delighted to inform the House that the MHRA has issued the clinical authorization of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. This is a monumental step forward. It's no longer if there's going to be a vaccine, it's when. In our battle against the virus, help is on its way. The UK is the first country in the world to have a clinically approved coronavirus vaccine for supply. And now our task is to make use of the fruits of this scientific endeavor to save lives. And then about 10 days later, the U.S. announced its approval of the Pfizer vaccine. I am pleased to announce that late yesterday, the FDA authorized for emergency use the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. This is the first COVID-19 vaccine to be authorized in the United States. The FDA is respected worldwide and is considered the gold standard regulator of medical products. We applied our high standards of review in reviewing this product so that Americans can have trust and confidence that the vaccine meets FDA's rigorous standards for safety and effectiveness. And with this authorization, 
we know that our federal partners are already moving to distribute the first doses of the vaccine throughout the country. And now the country gets ready to distribute the vaccine to millions of people. Hey, good morning, Martha. You could argue this moment has been nine months in the making. Take a look at the loading dock behind me here. Just moments ago, we saw some of the first trucks loaded up with the vaccine leaving this dock. It's a huge step that could help to eventually get the pandemic under control. Now, I want you to take a look at some of these images after getting that emergency use authorization from the FDA, the vials filled with the life-saving vaccine began their journey from the Pfizer facility here to states across the country. Now, from ultra-cold freezers to specially designed boxes to keep those cold temperatures, each box can hold about 5,000 doses. Now, the boxes are then loaded onto trucks, taking that precious cargo to area airports. Now, this initial batch of the vaccine consists of some 2.9 million doses. U.S. Marshals, as we witnessed there, Martha, were escorting those trucks as they head to the airports. Pfizer says they will be working 24-7 into they get that entire first batch out of here. Martha? Thanks so much, Alex. Let's bring in Chief National Affairs Correspondent Tom Yamas, who has covered the COVID crisis across the country from day one. Tom, walk us through what happens next. It's absolutely incredible. Hailed as the dream team, Turiji and Shahin hope the vaccine will get the green light from regulators this month so they can start producing up to 1.3 billion doses in collaboration with American pharmaceutical giant Pfizer, by the end of next year. The Turkish-German couple say they will price the vaccine below market rates to ensure everyone gets access. So that brings us to the end of this part of the journey. And there's still countless logistical challenges that the team faces in distributing billions of doses to people worldwide. But we're thankful for the entrepreneurial spirit of Earl Schein and Uzum Turj and the numerous other scientists who have been working around the clock since January to develop this vaccine. Yeah, and to all the frontline workers who have helped us through this trying time, working overtime to save as many lives as they can. I mean, I'm sure we all know them. Uh, my stepmom's one of them, actually. And uh, yeah, just a big thank you goes out to all of them. Absolutely. And to everyone who's done their part wearing a mask, social distancing, we thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM now has a premium ad-free feed. All you have to do is go to glow.fm forward slash rocketship and subscribe. It helps support the show and it gives you an ad-free experience. You actually get an exclusive feed that you can listen to on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, and Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective, which is a community for software product people. Product Collective is also the home of industry, the product conference, industry virtual workshops, and one of the largest Slack groups for product people anywhere. And we're also on the Podglomerate Network, so a huge thanks to Podglomerate. You can listen to all the Podglomerate shows at thepodglomerate.com. We'll see you here next week on rocketship.fm.